daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him, and she came and bowed down at his feet. The woman was a Gentile of Syrophoenician origin. She begged him to cast the demon out of her daughter. He said to her, Let the children be fed first, for it is not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But she answered him, Sir, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he said to her, For saying that you may go, the demon has left your daughter. So she went home, found the child lying on the bed, and the demon gone. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon towards the Sea of Galilee in the region of Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech, and they begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd, and put his fingers into his ears, and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, said to him, Epithah, that is, be opened. And immediately his ears were opened, his tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. I invite you to be seated. Our gospel story today tells of two miracles. One of the Syrophoenician woman seeking healing for her child, and the other, a man who is deaf, whose friends bring him to Jesus for healing. In most of the commentaries that I've studied, the writers seem to explain these healing stories independently. But the more I read, the more I study, it seems to me that these stories have a connection. In fact, the second story, I think, really puts flesh on the first story. And it does so by introducing the word epitha which means closed. In the story of Jesus healing the deaf man, the gospel says that Jesus looked to the heavens, he sighed, and said to the deaf man, Epitha. So what does that mean for us? What does being opened have to do with both of these stories? And more importantly, what does being opened in both of these stories have to do with us? Let's take a look at what opened means. I took a peek in the dictionary to get a quick definition of the word open. Well, you can't do that. I was surprised that this little four-letter word created such energy. There are 19 different ways to use the word um, uh, open in the English language. But in the end, all of them mean not closed. And you know what being closed is. We've all done it at one time or another. We've met people like it too. Um, they say to themselves things like, my mind is made up and I will not compromise. Which many times is translated, I don't like change and you can't make me. Now to be sure, there are some non-negotiables in our faith. There's one faith, one Lord, one baptism. There's the great commandment that Jesus says to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbors, including our enemies. Love our neighbors and enemies, loving ourselves. There's the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. But Christianity is not a cookie-cutter faith. There are different and diverse ways to be faithful to the Lord. Not being agile, not being flexible or malleable. It closes us off from relationships with those who 
understand how to live their faith maybe some, somewhat differently than ours. And this kind of being closed in stubbornness is seen in a story that's cited as, as fact from a Montreal, Canada newspaper. It involved a U.S. Navy ship off the coast of Newfoundland. What I share is not verbatim, but the conversation goes something like the captain of a Navy ship was noticing something in his path and radioing ahead saying, please divert your course 15 degrees to avert collision. The other party responded negatively. And again, the captain said, recommend that you move your, um, uh, you uh, divert your course 15 degrees and it was responded to negatively. The captain then identified himself. This is captain of a U.S. Navy ship. I say again, divert your course. The response was no. And the captain then said, this is an aircraft carrier of the United States Navy. We are a large warship. Divert your course at once. The response was, this is a lighthouse. You make the call. <laughs> now, have you, ever, have you ever been with someone, or maybe have you ever been that person who has to be um, made aware that uh, compromise is not a bad thing? Now, you see, in the first healing story, Jesus was technically right about what he said to the Gentile woman. When she asked that he heal her daughter, Jesus responded, let the children be fed first, for it is... Uh, not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. But what Jesus is saying is that his mission field is first to the Jews, and technically correct. But being right and doing that which is right are two different things, aren't they? It's much like when I sit before persons who may be at odds with each other, and they both claim they are right, and on my best day as I listen, I'll usually say, okay, let's say you're both right, do you want to be right or do you want to be effective? In other words, do you want to claim or do you want to acknowledge your rightness and find a way to compromise and to learn to live with one another? See, there's nothing wrong with compromise. What makes compromise wrong is if the same person or the same group compromises all the time. The Gentile woman is offering Jesus the opportunity to grow in his ministry, not only to the Israelites, but also to the Gentiles. She says, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. In other words, she's saying, Jesus, you might be right, you probably are right, but I believe there's enough room in your rightness to include others if you will be epipha, if you will be open. And Jesus was open. It was a defining moment in his ministry when he began to understand the increase, the, 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 uh, uh, the increase in the field of his work to minister to Gentiles as well as Jews. Through the gospel story, Jesus is offering us to be open in ways that we include others and that in our being open that we will witness others the love of God in their lives and at the same time grow in our own faith. The second healing story uses epithet in a literal way. When the deaf man was brought to Jesus, the scriptures tell us that Jesus took the man to the side in private, put his fingers in the man's ears, and then put some spit, his saliva, on the man's tongue, and then looked up to heaven and sighed, saying, Epitha, 
be opened. And you know the rest of the story. The man was healed. He became able to hear and speak. And the reformer, Martin Luther, in 1523, he developed the baptismal liturgy because he was so moved by this gospel story. In the liturgy, he instructs the pastor to take some of his own saliva and touch the ears and the lips of every child getting baptized while saying, Epitha, be open. Now, we don't do that at Aldersgate. But don't be too quick to dismiss saliva. I've seen saliva used. I've experienced it upon me. As a child, I remember my mother when nothing else was available. And if she was in a hurry, whatever I may have been eating and on my mouth, her saliva went on the Kleenex. Right? And you don't grimace and laugh because you remember that too. Now, something happens after Jesus heals the deaf man. He says, don't tell anyone. Because what he's saying is, don't let the physical healing overshadow what happens spiritually. The miracles of Jesus always point to God. He's more interested in the spiritual healing than their physical curing. Physical healing seems easier to Jesus than spiritual healings. Remember the healing of the, the paralytic who, whose friends let him down through the roof because they couldn't get through the doorway? It was easier for Jesus to get him to, to stand up and walk than to embrace the forgiveness for his sins. These are what Epitha is uh, uh, inviting us today to experience. The openness of our hearts, our minds, our, our spirits to God's grace. In each of these stories, we see that they both take place in Gentile territories. That um, This calls us to remember that Jesus cared for those beyond his own ethnic group, even if he had to be challenged sometimes. Jesus listened to the Syrophoenician woman. And because he listened and was open to her ideas, his, his ministry took on a new, uh, a, a new and deep um, way to share God's love with others. The Syrophoenician woman displayed the words of Edwin Markham. When I say this, you'll remember this from high school probably. Edwin Markham said, He drew a circle that shut me out. Heretic, rebel, a thing to flout. But love and I had the wit to win. We drew a circle that took him in. Jesus was changed by this Syrophoenician woman. He was open. He was epitha. And the love for her daughter was so strong, she made that circle that took in our Lord, which leads us to the next way epitha may be speaking to us today. The persons who are healed in today's gospel stories, pay attention. They don't approach Jesus. They are accompanied by others. The young girl was healed by Jesus when her mother took her needs to Jesus. And the deaf and mute man was healed when he was taken to Jesus by his friends. In these stories, it's not just the faith of the one being healed that's at stake here, but the faith of the friends. You see, we need each other. You need me, and I need you. It's much like the man who was driving a, a covered wagon the wagon, and the driver then said, Giddy up, Jim. Giddy up, Sue. Giddy up, Frank. 
And one of the passengers looked out and only saw one horse. The one pulling the wagon, why did you call out those other names? And the driver said, if Jim thought he was the only one pulling this wagon, he wouldn't budge. <laughs> Have you ever felt like Jim? Yeah. We need to be there for each other. We need to be encouraging and helping each other. <clears throat> the persons who took their knees to the, uh, to the Lord tells us that we need to be actively seeking the wel welfare of others, the well-being of others. So how does apathy, how does being open to God's spirit happen in our lives? And I'll, I'll close with a, a rabbinic story. There was a rabbi teaching his students one day and questioned his class saying, when do we know that light has appeared out of darkness? And one student answered, well, when you can tell the difference between a dog and a lamb. And the teacher said no. And another said, well, when you can tell the difference between a fig tree and a palm tree. And the rabbi said, no. Well, the student said, well, then why? And the teacher said, we know that light has appeared out of darkness when someone can look into the face of a human being and see the face of a brother or a sister, to see the face of one who is created in the image of God. In other words, when one is epitha, when one is opened, open to God's love for our lives, when we're open to God's healing and forgiveness for our lives, this makes us whole and makes us um, ready and, and compelled even to share that same love with others. This is when we are opened, open to the life-giving grace of God. Let us pray. Oh Lord, you can open even the tightest places of our lives to work on us and work in us. Deliver us, oh God. Liberate us from that which has us all bound up and that we might become truly open free people who are ready to serve with open hearts, willing and ready. We offer this name.